0: Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Thoughts of Peaches. This is Peaches. Hi down. So, for my next episode for Pride Month, I'm, we're going to tackle gay friendships. Um, because a lot of times, there's a lot of focus on gay romantic relationships and stuff like that and all those other nuanced things regarding people finding their forever partner. But sometimes we don't think about the platonic connections we find that are our support system in between those romantic encounters or in supplement to and a lot of those friendships have interesting dynamics regarding how you engage and interact with those friends some people have friendly comical situations some people have almost shady banter then some of them have toxic traits that need to be unpacked and dealt with and analyzed so i'm going to have a very special guest Come on with me and we're going to talk about that. I felt that um, my good friend Francisco Ariel would be the perfect person to talk to this about. Because we constantly talk about how nuanced platonic gay relationships are amongst people of like-minded mentalities in the community. And some of the comments he's made to me about how he feels on the subject Made me feel as though he was the perfect person to talk about this with, to not only give a little bit of perspective, but just have a conversation specifically about this topic, and not have it be about a specific circumstance that ha- has occurred, so that we can really dig in and unpack a few things. So, get ready.
1: Hello. Hello. Ooh. Oh wow. Hi. I, hey what's up? oh my gosh i swear to god when it comes to this kind of shit like i always get like oh technology's weird all right i'm sorry <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's fine um well this is your second time being with me as a guest but this time since it's just you and i on
1: this episode you get to give yourself
2: a more formal introduction so just introduce yourself to the listeners
1: Ay, Okay, my name is Francisco Ariel Carrillo, Francisco Ariel Carrillo, for those that can't really roll their R's. And I'm a native New Yorker. Yorker. I like long walks. I like the ocean. Uh, uh, (laughs) Anything
2: else? Okay, (laughs) so just for the context of this episode, we're going to start off with how did you and I become friends?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So many moons ago when I was a young homosexual, um, I was in the midst of looking for a job and a former mutual friend patched me through where you worked at at boxers as the coach guy. And that was when I first met you. And I was like, Oh my gosh, wow. He's like, he's actually cool. I don't know if he likes me yet. But he's cool. <laughs> and then from that point on, like, I started talking to you a lot more. It's like, wow, he has a grounded way of thinking. And he's super honest. And he gives no fucks. He doesn't try to hurt your feelings. But he's going to be honest with you.
2: <laughs> and the reason why I asked that for the context of the episode is um, this is the first full episode um, as opposed to the one I just posted for my Pride series. So for every June, I'm going to do every episode for every week, something revolving around the LGBT community. And just recently, there's been a lot of talk about um, people's engagements, interactions with pride, and um, people's thoughts and feelings about the gay scene. And I know we've talked about this off and on oh, yeah. multiple times. Mm-hmm. So this episode's going to cover a lot of the topics we've already talked about. And the reason why I ask about how we became friends is because kind of there's... A searching and a longing and you can attest to that from things we talked about within the gay community for people to kind of find their tribe and find like-minded people to kind of solidify or confirm their identity and their place in the world and a lot of the things you mentioned are some of the subjects we're going to hit on because that's a slippery slope as we as we've discussed with some of our interactions both yours and mine. We're not going to name any names.
1: (laughs) No, no name dropping. Let's respect these people.
2: We're going to respect people's um, autonomy and then uh, we're going to go over a couple of situations and circumstances that between the two of us we have seen very commonly in the um, (laughs) gay scene through both social interactions and things we've seen working in gay nightlife. So, my question for you is, Mm And then I'll
1: say mine and I'll see I'll see, it will explain how things worked out. Who was your first gay friend? Who was my first gay friend? Um, that is so funny. Um it kind of happened all at the same time, I think. Hot dang. It was actually, I believe, in in college. Um, my like one of my best friends actually that we are still really close with up to this day. Uh he well, sex he he's a he. His pronoun, he, him, whatever. Yes. Um, That person, that was with whom was my first gay friend. (laughs) So mine is very
2: interesting because I've had to change this answer given new life circumstances that occurred. My first gay friend was actually my first best friend from elementary school come to find out. Because later on in life, we both found out that we're both... P- part of the family we'll say um, <laughs> right <laughs> we found each other on facebook 20 some odd years later and he was like oh i was going through your facebook and those you were really out there i'm like yeah <laughs> he, was like, oh. he was like no judgment i'm in the same boat you are i'm like oh okay um but then if we want to talk realistically my first gay friends were in towards the end of being in high school and I use the term friends loosely and we'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as the definition of friends. <laughs> um, in high school, I was kind of like the alpha gay. I was the one who was super out, 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 out in the open about it. Other people were not as out. Um, they identified as gay, but I was like the, the gay one whereas, like everybody knew I was out, proud, loud about it. And a lot of times... That's a lonely position to be in, especially I came out when I was 14, this was in like 1998, 99, 2000, when we didn't have the same um, disabilities and liberties that we have today. And people were living their gay life, but they weren't as out seeking out other people directly or within the confines of school. This was the age of People going to the pier and stuff on the weekends, but in the school they kinda of went back into the closet to a certain extent. So I didn't really start finding the friendships. Like you said, you met your you found your first gay friend in college. That's about the same time when a lot of people start reaching out and finding those parts of community. Yeah. And the that leads into the next part of the conversation where as we go into college and start discovering ourselves, there's a lot of discovering ourselves to be had.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Um, as the comment I like to make, you can't make friends with your legs open.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that. That's definitely one of your <laughs> your sayings. Oh yeah. Um,
2: so did you find it difficult to make friends without there being benefits attached as you started to come into the gay world?
1: I'm going to say yes and no. Um it's really funny. It was kind of like an ebb and flow of things. I think, again, with the environments where I've worked at, I started to learn who was in it to have a genuine friendship. And then, yes, sometimes there was attraction attached to it. But then that was just very organic. You know what I mean? Versus a person that I would meet and they never had the intention of literally just being my friend. They just wanted to sleep with me. And I think with those experiences, it's very like heads or tails and very hit and miss, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because the the reason why I bring up the
2: whole college and the Prince of benefits thing is sometimes I think that generations coming in the future may not have as much of this issue or even we're technically in the same generation, but on the different, the opposing, the opening and closing ends of it, so to speak.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
2: Um. As uh, I'm saying this, I'm dating myself, but (laughs) as as an elder
1: millennial. Yes, mother.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I find myself in the generation that we had kind of a damned if we do, damned if we don't situation because a lot of people in my generation didn't have the luxury I had of coming out early and finding such acceptance in most aspects of their life that when they got to college, an adult age, they were trying to... Find platonic relationships with like-minded people, at the same time, finding romantic relationships and the fact that you're attracted to the same gender, it kind of makes those feelings a little murky. Right. Now, as we get into the latter millennial in your grouping, <laughs> some of that some of that is still relevant, but then you also have the people that are intentionally, and that's why I said the benefits part. Seeking friends with benefits, feeling like they need to kill two birds with one stone, and these are the and Pete and we've all we've witnessed this where you have the group the friends group that key keys and go to brunch, but also they know what the birthmark on your butt cheek looks like.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, and it's funny we had we had several several conversations about that.
2: (laughs) And the the funny thing is, and again we're not naming any names. But generally, our mixed friend group does not have a lot of that, but there are some instances of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, like, listen, it it was really funny because there was definitely one phrase that has always stuck with me. And I refuse to, like, I refuse to partake in that situation as honest as I could be, there was a moment where I was like, yo, I was feeling my oats. I was like, you know what? I want to have sex. What the fuck is the problem? But then what the issue was that I discovered from my own boundary is like, I was playing in the same sandbox as I was And, and you, that leads into
2: the next part of the conversation that we run into because not only do you have to, is there the concept of the friends with benefits situation? Some people seek out and that's usually to kill two birds with one stone. And on one hand, it's a meta convenience. But on another hand, it's kind of a, an inherent laziness born upon the trauma of coming out and not having access to the same adolescent experiences as straight people have. Right. But then just like you said, playing in the same sandbox or to use a Disney reference, the circle of life, <laughs>
1: oh no. the number
2: of times you've been in a situation with your friends and somebody walks by and how many you try to figure out how many people in your friend group have already been with that person (sighs) or that person approaches your friend group and all of you already know them. Then the conversation comes up very casually. Oh, where do you know so-and-so from? And then (laughs) come come to find out he knows what everybody's headboard looks like. Uh, Not the headboard. (laughs) We, 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 We won't name names. Right. We won't name names, but there was the incident in industry
1: where that happened to a person in our friend group. Oh, my goodness. Ah, yes, yes. And
2: that was very, very awkward.
1: It was. (laughs) Because it was kind of like,
2: oh, how do you know so-and-so? Oh, blah, 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 blah. And cricket. (laughs)
1: It was like, oh, we're here. (laughs) It
2: it becomes awkward, especially when you're talking about friendships within the LGBT community. And this this is one of the things that happens across the board for both the gay and lesbian spectrum. The social circles and the romantic circles often overlap because you're dealing with people of the same gender. Mm -hmm. Because... A lot of relationships, romantic engagements sometimes start off from a platonic place and evolve, or they start off from apps that have a varying amount of anonymity. So, if you're talking to somebody with an app, you go on a date with them or you hook up with them, you don't know very much about their social circle. Right. Until you're put in a situation and you go to brunch and you say, Oh, I'm bringing a date and da 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 da, and you get to brunch. And realize the person you're bringing as your date has all of your friend's number already saved in their phone. Listen. <laughs> and then you and your friend group to maintain your friendship have to have awkward boundary discussions about right. <laughs> who lays claim to what and who has dibs and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs>
2: and then you introduce the other and we've talked about this multiple times oh, yeah. within the gay community, specifically about open relationships, making sure that one, you're not forced into it, and two, if you are in one, making sure that your friends are not part of the openness
1: <laughs>
2: of your relationship because, not that that's happened in our friend group, but we've seen that play out at work many a times.
1: Oh, for sure. and it Where is- folks
2: show up with their significant other Or vice versa, they show up with the person they're messing with outside of their relationship and their significant other happens to be in the same place and come to find out said person is (laughs) friends with the other party in the relationship and it creates some sort of animosity and or a fight of some kind.
1: Oh, right. (laughs) And
2: then we're stuck sitting there like, we're not judging, we're just observing like you bought it on yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i mean but honestly yeah the thing is we've said this before there has to be open communication and also i mean personally for me like i i, I couldn't do it like I, I i i can't i've learned my lesson personally because without mentioning any names i lost friends because of that and it's it's honestly kind of sad you know what i mean but it's also important to know a healthy boundary for yourself and what is right for you. And we spoke about that because mm-hmm. we don't want to yuck anyone's yum either, but just be honest and transparent about it with yourself, with it also with whom you're kind of bringing along on that really possibly rough, if not also fruitful ride, I guess, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a big communication. I think the part that gets missed is people try to maintain their friendships by sparing people's feelings and a lot of times that backfires yeah you're too busy trying to be a good friend quote-unquote you don't have open communication so then you end up hurt or feeling some kind of lag and your friend doesn't know about it until it's too late
1: yeah no for sure I mean I'm a culprit of that and we you and I again, without mentioning any names, like we've spoke about that. And I'm a culprit of that. I was pretty much, I was butthurt for whatever stupid situation of some sort. And I was so prideful with like, you know, I know how I feel and I don't want to envelop myself within that world or that situation anymore. And I cut those people off out of my life. And it wasn't because I was just mad at them. I was like, this is beginning to be, at least personally for me, mentally toxic and unhealthy and without having that integral conversation as you know how you put it i was just like nah deuces i'm out of here like i can't
2: <laughs> i think that falls into what i was saying about a lot of times members of the lgbt community we don't have those adolescent friendship experiences right that straight people have so by the time we get to this point we have to do those hard cuts Mm -hmm. because there's so much more at stake. We don't have the safety net of being teenagers, living at home with our parents and families and have it just be, well, once we graduate, I don't have to see you. Right. We really. By the time we get into our social circles, it's like once you're solidified in a certain social realm, especially living in a city and you have the things you like and the places you like to go and you have your social group, if something happens, you have a falling out, you're bound to see those people again.
1: Right And what's so funny is you said something to me that really stuck up to this day, I think this was like a while ago, how we live in a heteronormative like society, right? And mm-hmm. how people with whom are heterosexual or whatnot they have those regular like stages of development, whereas if you're gay, you start out so late, like probably like what? Like maybe college or high school, if like we're talking specifically about you, but compared to how someone that's like heterosexual, it's like they already have a jump start and they know what coping mechanisms like work for them. And then once a person that's gay starts to live their life and whatnot, it's like, whoa, I'm already twenty something, and how do I deal with all this shit? You know? Well,
2: that see, you're, I love having conversations with you because it feeds right. We're along the same line of thinking. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as the coping mechanisms go, that's exactly right. When you're a teenager, you can go to your parents, you can go to people at school and stuff like that. But for a lot of LGBT people, we're too busy sorting out our own lives and who we are internally that by the time we get to that point as adults, we don't have that safety net anymore, which is why another subject we talk about is time you see a lot of people within the community itself and even working in LGBT nightlife, people who indulge in escapism, be it sexual escapism, alcoholism, drug use and things like that as their coping mechanism, instead of being able to unpack, discuss and move forward and progress from these feelings of either alienation or seeking acceptance or undoing repressive behaviors and they apply that with drugs and alcohol and casual and an anonymous sex. And again, this is not to shame or judge anybody. This is just the facts of what we've seen occur.
1: Right. It's it true.
2: And the, the, for clarity's sake, for those listening, this is not a judgment on those behaviors unless you're unnecessarily messy.
1: <laughs> right. I now,
2: agree. If you want to be a hoe and sow and spread your seed as far as East is from West, that's fine, but do so responsibly.
1: Right. And as long as- don't drag-
2: Exactly, well, that's what I was gonna say. Don't (laughs) drag other people into your mess that you have not unpacked. Right. There's no issue with you being sexually liberated. Um, As anybody will tell you, you can attest, I'm a very sex-positive person. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: right. is. <laughs> that, that is lined with a level of common sense. Right. That you shouldn't bring ha- any harm, physical, mentally, emotionally, to anybody else based on your issues. And that includes the drug and alcohol portion. You shouldn't be getting yourself drunk to the point where you cannot behave and carry yourself responsibly. Or, though I am not the strongest or biggest advocate for drug use in recreational settings or otherwise but if you're going to do that make sure you're doing so responsibly so that you take care of yourself you don't bring harm to anybody else because Mm -hmm. we've seen heads tails ups and downs i'm a i'm (laughs) i'm circumstantially um more cautious than you are in the sense that i'm a whole lot less trusting than you are (laughs) <laughs> so there, I agree. There, there are certain situations we that we have talked about that i have not been in because i don't trust people Let's and see. that you have been in because you've trusted people too much I, yo for
1: certain up like honestly i tell you about it and i'm like how would i get here and you're
2: like and Sis. my answer is, you, you should have said no
1: right and it's like i okay so for those who really know me and i mean greg knows me pretty well like i am someone that I always try to give someone the benefit of the doubt, and man, even if my tu- intuition's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, primo, please no no, got like, <laughs> I'll be like, nah, you know what? They need help, and bam, I go to Greg and I'm like, yo, I need to tell you something.
2: <laughs> and my answer is usually, I told you so, but it's not from a judgmental place. <laughs> yeah, it's from a, I told you to trust your gut. This is what happens when you don't trust your gut. Learn from this
1: seriously. Like, oh, so many precarious situations or whatnot. They've lessened, but still.
2: (laughs) But that goes into the next part of it, and this is something we talked about very recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Within the LGBT community, specifically amongst gay men, there is a certain... How can I say this without being offensive? I don't really care, actually. There's there's a certain catty banter amongst friend groups. It's usually done all in good fun. And Caddy's a perfect example. Like when you see cats, kittens play, they kind of swat and bite and nip at each other just to sharpen their predatory skills or whatever. Right. And we've talked about how there's a fine line between that banter and people who are just toxic and nasty for the sake of being that. And they say, they they, uh, defend it under the guys. Oh, I'm just reading her. I'm just being shady, but... There's a fine line between when that is cute and funny to when you're just foul for no reason.
1: Seriously, oh my gosh! Oh, it's
2: ugh. and we've witnessed this watching it and people who hopped and changed friend groups or seeing people that are just downright vile to each other, but they still hang out with each other. And I never understood that.
1: Listen, me neither.
2: Because <laughs> we 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 both distance ourselves from people because it gets to a point where if for me it's more of when it gets to a point where I can't see that line clearly Mm -hmm. I probably don't need to associate with you
1: listen I 100% agree and I feel personally for me it took a long time for me to understand that especially within like I guess the LGBT community to tell you the truth. Because if you can't, if if it gets
2: to the point where you can't tell whether someone is maliciously making fun of you when they're like saying something catty to you versus them just making an off-color joke, that's a problem. Because if someone is, you consider someone a friend, you should know their intention with the things they say.
1: Yeah. I, you should be able to ascertain that. No, for sure. And it's one of those things where it's like, at least with um, within my own personal experience, I, I, I don't associate myself with people like that, because I think intuitively, once again, like, you know, when someone's trying to like, Nick at you, and I can't help but think when they go that deep, it's like, wow, they're one up you, or, and then also, they're like, well, your shit i'm sh- pretty sure it sinks just as bad as mine so why is it that we're bringing my stuff up how about we do the same thing for you and see how you feel like it don't do that but, like,
2: but that's like even mean? when i'm very um apprehensive and cautious when i make new friends because just like you said i'm very blunt right and some people misread that as me being nasty because it a lot of times it's not as comedic as people would assume it to be. But what I think what a lot of people don't realize is I think that's where people notice that it's a genuine concern
1: mm-hmm.
2: versus people that word it in a comedic way. Like those are the people you need to watch out for because if they can't say it to you directly and they have to put sprinkles and sparkles on it to say it, that's don't that's kind of snaky to me. Especially really? when it's like especially when it's a serious thing.
1: Oh, like they're like not taking it seriously, I'm assuming, right? If someone, if,
2: so, if someone has to call you out on something, but they have to call you out in like a sarcastic joking manner instead of just telling you something directly, those are the people you need to watch out for. Because I think if it's a real friend, you should be able to tell them straight up something without having to sugarcoat
1: Okay, that I definitely agree with. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, again, without mentioning names and stuff – I'm pretty. We've both witnessed things of that sort, and it's like, wow. I mean, if that was my best friend, or if that was whomever I considered a friend in general, I would be like, um, this person doesn't have my best interest at heart. They think it's it's a a joke.
2: It's it's kind of like the people who if someone's going out with me and their outfit is not right or there's something on their outfit or something doesn't look good, I'm going to tell you flat out it doesn't look good. (laughs) That's that's not me being mean. That's me stating a fact. But then if you have a quote unquote friend who lets you go out looking a mess or something wrong and then it gets pointed out later and they look at you like, girl, why didn't you tell me? You laugh or snicker It's Like, oh, girl, I was just being shit. That's not your friend.
1: No, it's really not. I mean, I'm not going (laughs) to up. Like, listen, okay. In terms of, let's say, for example, if the person is leaving the house, looking a certain way, I get torn with that because what if the, okay, there's a difference, at least for me. If let's say this person is literally just going out there and their kind of style is not my cup of tea, I'm not going to yuck their yum per se, but let's say, for example, if they have hope, if they look dusty, they'll be like, yo, what, what's going on? Like, are you good? And not even trying to be shady, but it's like, okay, you know what I mean? There's a difference between, like, trying to put down someone's creativity of how they want to express themselves, and there's quite something else where it's like, yo, why did you leave the house without deodorant or something like that? That would, well, I mean? That also ties into not just
2: being shady about telling them, but also, like you said, somebody trying to one-up somebody. Sometimes there are those people who claim to be friends, but they'll let you look lesser or worse or let you look messy to make them look better to kind of raise their property value so to speak
1: those are people you need to watch out for too seriously i i'm not oh my gosh i kid you not i think i'm so lucky because including you and like i have a small small friend group i think that i consider like family you know chosen family we spoke about before you know Mm -hmm. and i am so thankful and lucky that i don't have friends within my current circle that are like that but I don't know, have you't well have you experienced it like that before yourself? Um, I've never had
2: friends where it was a malicious competition. because I think it's, it's fine when it's like almost like a healthy sibling rivalry. I have a good friend of mine from college that we were <clears throat> literally like almost like in the Pokemon. you know, when you watch Pokemon, Ash always has a rival to play in the game with him.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. First it was Gary. Right? It
2: was the same kind of thing. There was no animosity. There was no, like, winner. It was kind of like we pushed each other to be the best possible that each of us could be just because we knew that, you know what, there's no reason we both can't be bad bitches, but I'm going to be the batter of the two of us. <laughs> it wasn't so much someone trying to win. I was like, listen, I only hang out with bad bitches, so we both can be bad bitches, but we're going to try to be the best bad bitch in the group. <laughs> no, <it> co- <laughs> As opposed to people that have them. I don't know if you ever watched the um, Highlander movie series, a TV series with um, their catch. Why there could only be one. Oh. It, wasn't that, it wasn't that kind of thing.
1: Okay. Well, Hey, like that's awesome. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, like not, I mean, awesome that it's not like that when it comes to healthy, like friend groups and stuff for you. You know what I mean? Cause I personally can't fathom myself being in an environment like that. And I'm not going to lie. Um, If we're on the same wavelength, the environment where both we had worked at at one point, not going to mention any establishments here, but it was very much so like that, I believe, in my opinion. And that was a gay environment. Again, not all environments are like that, that are gay. I want to put that disclaimer out there because I don't want to get canceled. (laughs) But but yeah, it's like...
2: But that particular environment, um, certain individuals in that environment fostered that for some reason. I did not.
1: Yeah, no, you caught it really quickly. It's like, stop doing that.
2: (laughs) I I literally was like, we're all bad bitches. We're all going to be here and make money. Let's do this. Other people wanted to create some sort of um, hierarchy or some semblance of that. And that just wasn't productive, in my opinion. Like you said, I'm not going to yuck their yum and work for them, quote unquote, before I got there. But... That wasn't my M.O. And I felt my method was more productive. But that's my personal point of view and opinion. Right. But that goes into the next thing. When we talk about. Um, more on the. Greater level of the gay scene in general. And. I know I keep referring back to the high school. And adolescence thing. But I think that's a huge thing. And how people in the LGBT community interact platonically. Because we did not have those. Formative years of. Interactions that held less consequences,
1: right? No, a lot not of Clinton. us,
2: a lot of us didn't get into like really finding ourselves and finding our tribe till we were adults. And then you have the stress and consequences that come with adulthood: paying bills, and looking for a job, and keeping a job, and health insurance, and all figuring out your commuting situations and things of that nature. All along with. <laughs> developing friendships and trying to have a social life and things of that nature and especially within the gay community right there is and we've talked about this and we have slightly opposing viewpoints on it as far as navigating some of the toxicity that comes with it yeah Me personally i i'll go out in the hazmat suit if i have to <laughs> because you're 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 not gonna fuck up my vibrations on your nonsense whereas you're more of the mentality of nah i'm good leave me alone
1: yeah oh very much so i'm like i think i'm such a sensitive person (laughs) and we've spoke about this and yes you're absolutely right i think we have some opposing views to that i would rather separate myself and go in hermit mode and hang out with very very select few folks because i tried it you know I tried just going out and like just trying to like really, you know, enjoy the environment and stuff or whatnot. But if I'm talking only for myself, it is just not for me. Unless if I'm hanging out with you or whomever that we like, you know, we like we fuck with or whatever, you know. I I'm always very weary. I, I get very nervous, honestly. And it's just one of those things where it's like. I know how I am now. And this is probably not going to change. And I'm okay with that. But, but that's exactly the point is that a lot of
2: people in the community don't have that. This is who I am moment till so much later in life. And by then, and we've seen, and this is just from the perspective of watching from what we've seen in our work environments. And it's, it's, um, a sociological thing that I always do, and I always wonder what's brought people to that place. Because you see those people that either go out by themselves, or they're kind of jaded and nasty when they go out, and you just wonder what brought them here. What yeah. has happened to make them act this way in these social settings? Because you would expect people going out to a club or bar or a social event in general, they would have a good time and meet people, and da 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 da. Now, mind you. I'm the most social, anti-social person you almost anybody will ever meet. I it's don't just like a people.
1: weird dichotomy, I have to say. <laughs> I don't like, I
2: tell people the most times, like, I don't like people, but when they see me out, they're like, I can't tell. them, like, I know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but then you see other people, we, again, we're not naming anybody's names, but you know those people who go out and they're always like in a mood or they always have something nasty to say or they're always overcritical or judging people or they're those groups of friends. You're like, why are y'all even out?
1: Right. No, real though. It's like, Oh, I don't know. I would rather listen. There was actually a time where, and again, this is not coming from a judgmental place, but person. I remember you and I, we like when we would, when we worked together at our, that establishment or establishments, cause we have a long history of things, but mm-hmm. um, we would, people watch and we would be like, wow. How, like, like you said, what brought this person here? they may be by themselves sometimes they are and they're like why are they in such a crabby mood why are they so angry and again like not coming from a judgmental place but you i think when you see someone and they act that way at least for me and maybe for you too greg but you can't help but one but not wonder you know <clears throat>
2: because it's like you could have stayed home right you didn't have to come out here to sit here and have a mean mug and a sour puss and Bring down everybody's energy because somebody could have wanted to come to talk to you or maybe buy you a drink or whatever, 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 and you got the stank face. And then you want to complain nobody wants to talk to me. That's because you look sour and
1: nasty, right? Like, I mean, and you're pro- you're lowering your vibrations, y'all. Get a quartz crystal or something like that. Burn some sage in Palo Santo. Feminine nasty, but,
2: <laughs> but that's the problem. People don't get to work through all of that teen angst because they're too busy ducking and dodging gay bashings and homophobes. by the time they become an adult. No. Oh my. <laughs> all of that plus how am I going to pay my rent? My neighbors are annoying. My metro card is blah, 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 blah. The train is running late and all that piled along with all the social things that weren't able to work out. And Then you get to the point where and me and my sister have talked about this. And my sister's a lesbian. Some of this overlaps even with um, lesbians is that It's hard to make friends without worrying about if people have ulterior motives, what happens if you catch feelings, da-da-da-da-da, or God forbid, and this is why I screen a lot of my friends very well, are they going to go after my person, and blah, 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 all of Uh. these weird intricacies that come along with LGBT um, relationships on a platonic level. Right. Because some of it gets misread and stuff doesn't get communicated correctly and it's this weird thing and then you put get out in social settings people get into their little cliques right. you have the bears and the muscle queens and the, the cunts and the vogers and the ch- the twinks and all of that and everybody <laughs> itemizes themselves by people who look and think like them It Oof. It's mm. a weird Serengeti tribal thing that gets very messy
1: very quickly. Yo, it it is. It's honestly kind of a really nasty version of Mean Girls, I would have to say. (laughs) Right. And and I've
2: said this before. Our friend group, whenever people see us out, we have a very diverse. uh, Like, if we all got invited to one function, it would be a very diverse array of people.
1: It really honestly would be like, there's like people that are more on the feminine side and like, they're very like, you know, gender fluid, which is awesome. And there's others that are very like butch. And there's other few that are just like so freaking neutral in our group of friends, honestly.
2: And then when we see other groups of friends, it's like, oh, y'all came out the same, but are you?
1: Like right. It's just like, oh, that's your cousin or brother. I'm confused. Y'all look alike. <laughs> Y'all all shop at the you shop at the same store, you go to the same barber. <laughs> but I will I, I honestly do wonder though, when it comes to people that we see of that fashion, right? I mm-hmm. wonder if they present themselves that way because they genuinely like the way that they see that, that they see in the mirror, or they're doing it to conform so that way they have some sort of community you know what i mean i, I think that that. i think
2: the latter of the two is what happens a lot because <clears throat> up until recently and mind you most of the people that we're seeing in these groups are eight are, are within our age group so i can say this with a little bit more confidence mhm mm-hmm. most of the people we've seen in those ranges since being of our generation did not come up in life With the same level of representation that like Gen Z, Gen Alpha, future generations are going to have. So when they started to find social circles and friend groups, there was a level of assimilation they felt they needed to do to fit in and be accepted.
1: That makes sense. Whereas (laughs) the majority of our friend group, we're all over the place. We really are. I think honestly, I can only speak for us. I don't think we really give a fuck, you know? I mean... We have- we all have different personality traits, some more aggressive than so, others. Right, some more docile. I'm raising my hand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then there's then there's me running around like, can we fight? Nobody is fighting? Okay, more drinks, lovely. <laughs> um, okay. But then you have other friend groups where you see them and you know, you because they're always together. And it's the same kind of aura around them, but I think that's more of <clears throat> them falling into a place of comfort,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then them not needing to seek out anything beyond that. They found their folks, or are sticking with their folks, Anybody's, n- nobody's going to mess with that. This is what they want to do because it's easier for them to live their life that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, if that's how that those people want to live their lives, which and they're happy genuinely, then cool. But I will say, if let's say that it's a cop-out for them and they're just complacent, of course, like, who am I to say how to live their life or whatnot? But you don't want to live just to survive, right? You want to live to have the whole human experience before you kind of, you know, kick the bucket.
2: Okay, so I'm going to give you a moment to rant. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Here we go. In (laughs) regards. to the LGBTQIA community, and in regard to um, friendships and maintaining um, platonic relationships across the board, what do you see that can be done better?
1: Man, I think the biggest thing, and you and I had spoke about this, please be honest and communicative if you really value that friendship or that friend group or whomever. Because once, I know for myself, if once, a person from that same group tells you what your so-called like close friend had done and they said nothing to you then that's a problem because then there's like a lot of like misconceptions of what truth is what honesty is and how can you trust that person um and then also take responsibility for yourself too you know like i mean again same vein if let's say for example you have a problem, say something. And if, let's say, if that person says, hey, I'm not going to change, then, yo, that is your invitation to do what's right for you then and just leave. That's what I would have to say.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> now, we're going to revisit the question we ended when I spoke with you last year for Pride. I just want to see <clears throat> if, <engine>. anything, <laughs> if, if anything over the course of the past year between social issues and things you've seen Um, if anything has changed in your perspective or the message that you want to give the world. So going into Pride season 2021, what would be your words of wisdom to the LGBT community?
1: Man, um, there was something that you said actually that really still rings a bell up to this day. And it's, what's the true meaning of Pride? there's a whole generation that had been completely wiped out and had been unseen. And I think it's so important to really take that in, not even consider it, but really acknowledge it and be like, listen, there's more to just like, you know, like tongue punching someone's fart box and having a good old time. But like, what about those people that fought for your right to just be who you are now in this moment? throughout this entire month of what we call pride, you know? Perfect. That actually,
2: <laughs> I actually have to do my digital pride address sometime this week. And that was actually going to be one of the points I was going to talk about is remembering and having a certain reverence for the meaning of pride. And kind of what we'll end with this, with this mini discussion of what we were talking about the other day about. Um, some people pride shaming other people for how they choose to celebrate or express their pride and how that's a bit problematic because it's almost like tone policing somebody's protests right pride is supposed to be a celebration of the freedom that was fought for you can't tell somebody how to celebrate pride if they're not doing anybody harm If someone's idea of celebrating pride is going to a circuit party or partying from 10 p.m. till noon, that is their right. That is part of what pride was fought for. If someone's idea of celebrating pride is marching and going to the rallies and going to a protest, that's their right. If somebody's idea of going to pride is going in the streets in a harness and a strap to celebrate their freedom so long as they're not doing anything illegal or lewd, that is their right. Even if somebody chooses to stay home, watch documentaries and educate themselves. Right. Because yep. they're socially anxious and don't want to be out with the world or they can't be, that is their right. We can't tone police how someone chooses to celebrate a event that is based off of a fight for freedom of expression.
1: Right. I, I completely agree. Um, but I will say this, everything that you said yes let's all respect how everyone wants to celebrate Pride, but man, we can't tell you what to do, but please, please, please like, I would say if if you're my friend or whatever, if you don't have already done it, really look back and just like, just honor, just be thankful, you know? Like, we have this opportunity to finally express ourselves and whatnot in whatever kind of like facet. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, well, sir, it was a pleasure. Thank you so so much. Thank As usual, it is
1: always a lovely
2: opportunity to speak with you.
1: Listen, likewise. Um, am I gonna listen? We'll catch up later. But thank you so much for having me. All right, I'll talk to you later. Peace.
2: Bye. Okay, y'all, that is going to wrap up another episode of Thoughts of Peaches. Um, this episode was a great conversation with Francisco regarding friendship and socialization within the LGBTQIA plus community and a couple of little talking points about the meaning of pride, which was a great addition to the conversation. Um Don't forget to check out all of our past episodes. If you get a chance, check out my pride series from last year for a few talking points that are still relevant to this day. And I look forward to having you hear the rest of the stuff I plan for this month to be very interesting. All right. Bye.